This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Improve your development skills by completing coding exercises that are peer-reviewed by real humans. Learn more at Upcase.com. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. My name is Ben Ornstein, and I'm here today with Ryan Delk. Hey, Ryan. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, your bio is listed as, or you, you talk about what you do as growing Gumroad. Yeah. Uh, which is a fairly general statement. Can you just sort of give me an example, like what an average day looks like for you? Yeah. So we have a very flat company. So we intentionally don't have like the traditional titles that you would have at other companies, sort of like the GitHub model. Mm-hmm. So I basically work on anything related to helping government become bigger and more successful. So that generally falls under sort of business development, partnership, marketing as part of it, sort of like long tail growth stuff. And then uh, sort of partnerships is the other part of it. So Broadly defined as anything that either helps grow our volume and our metrics and our numbers in the company or grow our brand and relevant industries, music, film, publishing, software, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so so I, I've seen other interviews that you've done and a story that you told that I really liked that I'm hoping you could tell again is how you got your job at Gumroad, like that initial things you did to sort of stand out and get hired. Yeah, totally. The quick backstory to that is that I had spent a summer in Nairobi, Kenya, between my sophomore and my junior year, working at a tech hub there. And it was this very roundabout way where like, I sort of went to Nairobi to figure out that I wanted to work in tech. And I was debating that summer between going to SF and doing an internship or going to Nairobi. And I decided, against, I decided to do Nairobi mostly because it was sort of the craziest thing I could think of. Uh, but it turned out that it was a classic example of like being a big fish in a small pond is much better than being a small, like, any type of fish in a massive pond. So because I was in Nairobi working on tech stuff, I was very interesting to all these people coming from San Francisco to Nairobi. So there was all these executives from all the big companies like Google, Apple, all these people coming to Nairobi, whether they were there for vacation or business or whatever. Uh, and they would stop at the iHub where I was working. And so I was having these conversations with people that there would be no context in which if I was an intern at a startup in San Francisco, I would be talking to these people. Right. So, and then I became very memorable to them because I was this guy who was this college kid who was working in Nairobi. Like, why are you here? This is so interesting. What made you do this, et cetera. So that sort of made me realize I wanted to work in tech. And then through that, I met one of Square's really early investors. And so that sort of turned me on to to Square. They were still really early on, but I decided I was really interested in payments. So I started working for them, sent them an email. I was like, hey, I'm in college. I want to help you guys. How can I help you? So started working for them remotely from University of Florida. And then was sort of planning to join Square full time, but then met Sahil when I was out here uh, and just sort of fell in love with the idea of Gumroad. And we had coffee uh, and I you know, started sending him a bunch of ideas of ways that I think I could add value and like Gumroad could grow and what growth would look like. And that was sort of how that started. And then in parallel to that, when I was deciding what I would do for that summer, which is the story a lot of people asked me to tell, it's like I was sending out hundreds and hundreds of cold emails to people and trying to basically prove that I could be valuable to them before I even said like, hey, you know, can you hire me or can we get coffee? So I would try to figure out ways like what is something that I could send to this person that would be really valuable mm-hmm. before I asked them to get coffee. So like there was companies where I put together like this, like an Excel model basically saying like, hey, here's an idea for like this really simple to implement growth strategy that I think would work really well. And here's a model for how I think it would impact your business. By the way, I'm going to be in San Francisco. Can we get coffee? So rather than just like a cold email asking to chat, it was like, okay, this kid's, you know, thought about what we're doing, thought about what growth looks like, clearly like invested some time in this. 
you know, I might as well get coffee with him. And that sort of was all predicated by uh, a quote from Chris Sacco, which was add value before you ask for value, mm-hmm. uh, who then happens to be one of the investors in Gumroad. So it all sort of came full circle. But I think that's for me, what has like sort of impacted my, the way that I searched for jobs, like was looking at companies, evaluating companies and now approach business development stuff, partnership deals, everything through that lens of like, how can me personally and us as a company add value to people's lives and then say, okay, how, like, let's find ways to work together. So. Yeah, that, that's so cool. So I, I recommend a similar thing to, to people all the time, which is if you're trying to get a job somewhere, then it's really, really in your interest to stand out in some way. Yeah. It's, you don't want to be like resume number 42. Exactly. You want to be like, hey, that guy that was in Nairobi. Exactly. So like you sort of accidentally bumped into the Nairobi thing where you found you were getting a huge advantage just by being, you know, this college student working on startup things in Nairobi and then sort of doing it more intentionally and adding even more value by sort of you, you said that you put together a couple like PDFs for like uh, I talked to a bunch of indie artists about Gumroad and like here was the, yeah. the feedback. Yeah, exactly. So I think if you're in the process of trying to get someone to bring you on board, like being able to show that you're willing to invest time with the expectation of being able to come on full time or something without being paid is just a massive way to stand out because so many people don't want to invest any time until they're getting compensated for it. Right. And then the problem is you almost never get compensated for your work because you're not willing to, you know, right. and, and go sh- the extra mile. It shows passion, which is so huge. Like you want your potential employer to know, like, I really want this job. This is not just exactly. like something I'm going to do to pay the bills or whatnot. And you can demonstrate that. Pa- that's there's a proxy for that passion is like, I'm doing this for free right now. Yeah. Exactly. And when you see there's a position you see in some companies like community manager type thing, like, you know, you need to be the person like is on the forum and interacting with customers and all this. And so frequently, these people end up being people that were already posting on the forums a lot anyway. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. And this is just like an application of that same idea. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still surprised at how many people today, like, I get whatever, 20 emails a week about people that want to work at Gumroad. And less than 1% of them do this, like send anything that's like, Hey, here's, you know, a PDF of some strategies that I think would work well for growth. Like, this is how I want to join the team. This is what I want to do. And it just blows me away. Cause I think it's a relatively low touch way. You know, you spend an hour putting together a PDF and then shoot it off. And immediately I'm like, you know, 10 times more likely to hang out and get coffee and get to know you. Exactly. And to me, the thing that blows me away with this type of idea is often it's actually not that hard. Right. So like it's not like you said, it's probably an hour's work and you're 10 times more likely like that's an incredible leverage right there. Exactly. Like, and it's it, a no brainer. It's, it is a no brainer. And like standing out is often just like a sli- a little bit more effort. Yeah. Uh, and I really love that. Like it's totally an 80, 20 kind of thing, except it's like a five ninety sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly. And so like I, I wish more people I think more people should grasp that and like take that to heart in like a bunch of different ways. It's surprising how effective like just thinking like, what are most people doing? How can I go a little bit beyond that? And then you instantly become the person like, oh, wow, this is the person that did that, whatever, and send us this thing yeah. that was different than usual. Yeah. And we found I found that to work as good, if not better in like business development deals, partnership deals, where I'll email someone or talk to someone about using Gumroad. And at some point in the conversation, when they're still evaluating like what, what platform they're going to use, et cetera, I'll often send them like a one pager on some data we have on, you know, how to best release an album or a film or Mm -hmm. a book or whatever. Here's some, you know, the best price points that convert highest. And I'll say, hey, like, even if you don't end up using Gumroad, here's some really valuable information that you can take to whatever platform you choose. And it'll help you with the best pricing scheme, the best launch strategy. And just, you know, feel free to use this, whatever you use. Immediately, there's like this new level of trust and endearment between us and, you know, this potential creator that could be using Gumroad. For sure. And it's a very simple thing to do. But again, you're like creating value for them before you've asked them or, or even, you know, had them start using your platform. And I think that 
I think it applies in like relationships and business and all sorts of areas. So. Yeah, and there's this like reciprocity phenomenon where like when yeah. you do something nice for someone, they feel this almost like evolutionarily encouraged impulse yeah. to, re- to return the favor to you. Exactly. It's very natural. Yeah, definitely. I feel really lucky. So my dad is in sales. And so he sort of raised me with this idea of basically like go in the back door. Like try something a little crazy, stand out and like you can get stuff that you wouldn't normally get. And like I was sort of raised with that mindset and it's been incredibly useful for me at a bunch of different times in my life, like getting jobs that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise and just things in general that I wouldn't have gotten. But just by thinking like, how do I how do I do this a little bit differently just so I can stand out? Yeah. My freshman year of college, I met a businessman in Orlando where I grew up and I, I asked him like, what was the most exciting deal he ever won? And he, he ran this real estate management company, uh, that now manages, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate all over Florida. And they were trying to get in with this big supermarket chain called Publix in the Southeast and basically trying to, to get in and, and run all the strip malls that they were in. Mm-hmm. And he found out that the CEO was a huge, I think it was like a Giants fan, like a huge New York Giants football fan. And so he bought a like autograph, some famous Giants quarterback bought an autographed jersey from him and wrapped the deal proposal in this autographed jersey uh, and went to his office and sat and went to his assistant and said, hey, I don't have an appointment, but I just want to give, you know, whatever this guy's name is, this autographed jersey. I know he's a huge giant. I know he'll love it. And she's like, sorry, he doesn't have any openings. Like, that's fine. I'll just wait till the end of the day. I'll sit right here. Whenever he's done, I'll hand it to him handed it to him. And now they've done, you know, the equivalent of like tens of millions of dollars of business with this company because he was willing to just do something seemingly absurd, but that worked and is now this sort of great lesson. For me, I learned a lot from that. And that sort of taught me that like you have to try unconventional things or else you're just, you're not going to get things done. Yeah, absolutely. That was an example of something that was like kind of hard because you had to, you know, sit there all day, but still like not even that bad. Right. I mean, exactly. Like, these are not like incredibly heroic acts that, that make right. the difference and make you stand out. Sometimes they are really simple things. Yeah. And if you think about it, like if you told me spend an hour working on something and this person's going to be 10 times more likely to sit down with me for coffee, like you would take that any day. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, like, oh, I don't want to spend the time to write that PDF. I don't want to take the time to put that together. It's such to sort of muddle your like the logic of it. So mm-hmm. this is why I'm a big fan of like in general, like a sort of a rifle approach instead of a shotgun approach. Mm-hmm. Like if you want if you're trying to get a job, for example, like find the two or three places you really want to work and then figure out what you can do to impress them as opposed exactly. to like blast out 400 resumes yeah exactly yeah love that so we have uh, sort of danced around but we haven't actually talked about what gumroad does can you give us the the pitch yeah so gumroad is a platform and we we exist to empower creators to be able to sell whatever they're making directly to their audience mm-hmm. uh in a very simple and a very authentic way so we sort of take everything that's complicated about selling things online simplify it streamline it and sort of allow any creator to you know, within a few seconds, be able to start selling the things that they're making online, primarily started in digital goods, now sort of slowly expanding into physical as well. Oh, I didn't know that. So we work with this sort of very broad spectrum of creators and a ton of different, you know, verticals. So everyone from like Eminem and Coldplay and Bon Jovi and like a long list of very well-known artists and creators down to, you know, independent authors and people selling courses and people selling software and people selling books and all sorts of things. So there's sort of a very wide breadth to what we do and, and who we try to serve with the platform. But the sort of the impetus for everything that we do is all about empowering creators and all about sort of this trend and this wave that we see building of the leverage sort of shifting back to creators and people that are creating things that are building things that are making things, having the ability and the power to be able to distribute that directly and not have to rely on, you know, middlemen and other people. So, yeah. And and I think it's nice because it allows focus for people that just want to create stuff. 
Right. So like getting a, an e-commerce store together and running it well and having a great checkout form and all these and taking payments and all this is like actually a fair amount of work if you want your own custom solution. Yep. But in fact, what most people want is roughly the same. So if you, you guys are offering that and you say, hey, we do it really well and you don't have to spend any time thinking about this whatsoever, you just write your ebook or record your music or whatever. And that's a great proposition to them, I think. Exactly. And so I think what we've found is that it actually helps people, like once they start using Gumroad, especially if they're switching from sort of an older or more complicated platform, mm-hmm. that actually frees them up to be able to spend more time creating things. And that's what I think is really exciting to me is thinking about if, you know, if we're able to sort of get Gumroad to like a very massive scale to where it's something that, you know, all or most of the creators in the world are using, mm-hmm. I think that there will be a lot, it's sort of obvious that there will be a lot more people creating things. And then people that are already spending time creating things will spend, you know, more of their time creating more things. So we'll have more amazing books, more music, more films. And we already see this where like people that were selling through a platform that takes 50% of the revenue. And, you know, because of that, they had to work, you know, a second job or work during the day and create and write at night. Now we're able to make, to make, you know, keep 95% of the revenue, make almost twice as much. And all of a sudden, because of that economic shift, they're able to spend, you know, all their time now creating books or working on their films or working on music and sort of not having to, you know, work a job that purely exists to then pay for their ability to create. If we can sort of take that story and replicate it, you know, hundreds of thousands of times or millions of times, that's phenomenally exciting to me. So yeah, that's cool. So I'm, I'm a software engineer. And so I sort of came at this problem a couple of years ago, in, in a sense. So I had made a couple uh, Rails apps for selling stuff online okay. and then instrumented them with like Kissmetrics events and analytics and, you know, hooked nice. them up with Stripe and all this stuff. And I'd done this a few times and I was like, hey, I wonder if I could sell like just this, like the code that runs a Rails app that does this so that people don't have to do it themselves. Yeah. And got together with a designer friend of mine and we basically put the code out there and like actually did sell a handful of copies of these things nice. uh, of people that wanted to have a, a basically turnkey solution for selling stuff like digital products. Yeah. And the feedback that we got most consistently was from people that were not technical saying, hey, can you just host this for me and let me just do this so I don't have to exactly. worry about running the app? And we're like, no, that sounds like a lot of work and boring and we're not going to do it. But uh, you guys are doing it. And so it's I, I know firsthand that there are people out there that want exactly that. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't want to spend any time coding anything and they just want to upload products and go. So Yeah, and are not technical and couldn't if they even if they wanted to. Right. There's a very small percentage of the population that's, you know, filmmakers, writers, you know, designers, whatever it might be, that are writing books or creating products that also are tech savvy enough to implement their own shopping solution. So totally, totally. So do you find that people like who is there someone that's not a good customer for you? Um, I think there definitely were. There's a lot more types of people who are not good customers for us early on. And we're sort of slowly growing. Makes sense. Like initially, we were very focused on this, like just the commerce experience. So just like this idea of, okay, you can upload this thing, which is a digital file. And then we create a paywall that allows a very simple and easy way for someone to buy that and download it. And so you can imagine like the limitations for someone like a filmmaker who says, hey, you know, I want to offer streaming. I don't want to just do downloads or I don't want to do downloads at all. I want to just have people stream my films Um, or an author who says, like, well, I want people to be able to read, you know, right there on the web. I don't want them to download the PDF and put it on their iPad. So now those features are part of Gumroad and it's just part of the platform. But I think early on, there was a lot of, you know, outside of that initial use case of people selling apps or music or things that sort of fit very well in that, you know, simple UI. There was a lot of people that said, hey, I would use Gumroad if. And so we sort of have been watching that feedback and over the last year and a half, you know, implementing a lot of that stuff. 
there's still a long list. I think, um, you know, one of the things that we really want to improve is like the reporting side of things and like having a much more robust sort of dashboard. Cause now we have a lot of people that are making, you know, millions of dollars through the platform. And when you have people at that level that are making, you know, lots and lots of money, uh, they want, you know, sort of a different level of reporting and accounting integrations and all that kind of stuff. than you know, my mom selling a cookbook, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we don't want my mom selling a cookbook to feel like the back end is complicated and enterprisey and gross. Uh, so it's sort of this balance of like, how do we have a robust enough UI uh, that fit is gives the features that, you know, these people need without creating a user experience that's complicated and frustrating to, you know, the average creator. So that's sort of like the balance we're always playing and the dance that we're always going back and forth with. Yeah, totally. So you, you said earlier that your job is sort of seems to encompass a, a handful of somewhat disparate tasks with the, the general yeah. goal of, of growing Gumroad, but that can be through a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Do you have like a system in mind of how you prioritize different efforts? Like how do you, how do you pick which to, what you're going to focus on and what's not working and, and all that? Yeah. One of the things that I think is really important, especially if you're like early at a company and you're sort of trying to get it off the ground. And then as you scale is like creating a stronger and stronger filter for what you spend your time on. So like initially I would basically spend a lot of time on getting almost anyone to use Gumroad because we had basically no users and like we needed to get users and we needed to have case studies and we needed to have success stories. So it was worth it for me to spend 10 hours to get someone on the platform, even if they were only going to go on to make 500 bucks or whatever, because it would just be one more person and, you know, they would be happy and all that stuff. So I think initially I would sort of just work on any like BD sort of partnership style thing that would generate new users and new revenue and case studies. And now I think that filter is sort of constantly grown. And so now I try to spend a lot of my time on deals that deal with like aggregation points of creators. So, you know, deals with like a record label or a film studio or a publisher uh, where you're not like doing a deal that gets one creator using Gumroad, but like a good deal that maybe gets 150 creators or a thousand creators potentially using Gumroad. So I spend a lot of my time on that, but I think it's also important that as that filter becomes sort of higher and more strict that you don't lose the empathy and the uh, excitement about dealing with, you know, people and interacting with people who are just the average Joe user. And so as a function of being like, of sort of just being out there with Gumroad for a while now, like my email is all over the internet. And so I get tons of emails from people that are just like, Hey, how do I set up my product or whatever? And uh, I try to, I mean, I do respond to every email that I get, uh, but I try to like be really thorough with those people, even if it's just someone who's like, Hey, I'm trying to sell like this, you know, book that I just finished and my grandkids are saying that I should sell it. They're trying to help me get set up. How do I set up this product? Like sometimes I'll shoot them over to the support team, but sometimes I still try to just reply and like help them right there and log into their account and see if there's anything I can do to help. So I think it's important to like, even as that filter gets stricter, as the company grows and um, as you're working on bigger and bigger things, I think it's still important to sort of maintain that empathy with the average or the normal users that you're working with that in some ways are like the long tail and the foundation of the company. Hmm. We may have sort of already touched on some of this, but I'm curious. if So if you had to write up like a one-page summary for your replacement, yeah. like you were going to leave Gumroad, but you're, you're training, you've you got one page of most important stuff for someone that wants to do your job, like what would, what would be on there? That's interesting. I've actually been, I thought, I thought about this. Uh, someone asked me the same question like last week or two weeks ago. Oh, damn it. Uh, and so, well, it was just over a conversation. So it wasn't like, okay, public. Sure. but yeah, so I think the biggest thing is like trying to figure out each week, like what is the most valuable direction to run in? Um, because I feel like when you're doing growth or BD or partnerships, particularly at a startup, 
you it's sort of like you're sprinting a million miles an hour in like one maybe two directions sometimes three but that's you can't really do more than that and so i think thinking of it as like every week like sort of trying to figure out what the most valuable thing is and which direction to be running in and then those weeks sort of comprise you know make up months and the months make up years and like eventually you sort of have these quarterly directions or whatever that you're sort of setting and goals you're setting and okrs and all that stuff but i think it takes a lot of like context and understanding to figure out each week, like what is the most valuable thing to spend time on? Um, so I think that would be a big part of it. But then also just really, really focusing on the relationships. I think that a lot of companies, their users just become like another number or like it's just like a sales thing where like they're just trying to move people through the funnel. And you're willing to burn the relationship as long as they actually start to become a paying customer. It doesn't really matter if like they're sort of frustrated as long as they end up using it, it's fine. Mm. Um, and we've tried to sort of like, keep a really heavy sort of emphasis on the relationships of things and like building relationships and building friendships with people and not just viewing people as like someone that needs to be moved through our sales funnel, but you know, someone who's like working on it, trying to build a business, trying to build a career, whatever, like how can we help them? How can we make them be successful? Uh, how can we build a relationship with them that's that exists outside of the context of just them using our platform? Hmm. And I think we've seen like really, really high ROI on that where we've created, you know, these sort of, rabid fans of Gumroad that are somewhat fans of Gumroad, but really like they're, I think they're probably fans of the people at Gumroad and they like our platform and they like our product and they like the business, but they also really like the people. And because of that, they're telling other people about it. They're introing you to people. They're, uh, you know, recommending you to other people. They're doing all that kind of stuff that you can't really put a price tag on. And in some cases grows your business by very significant, you know, levels when someone makes a very key introduction or whatever to you. So Um, I don't know. That's sort of a convoluted answer, but those are the things I would focus on. So, yeah, so focus and value relationships. Yeah. Gotcha. So you guys have grown a fair amount recently? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're growing both uh, from a team perspective and also uh, as a company. So I think we're 19 now, 19 or 20. How many when you joined? It was me, Sahil, and then two engineers okay. when I joined. So Are things pretty different now, would you say? Does it feel different um, with that many that, that difference in people? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, we were working out of an apartment in Soma in San Francisco then, and now we have an office and all that. So mm-hmm. I think you, I don't know, Paul Graham talks a lot about like how as every new employee joins, like it feels like things are getting less efficient mm-hmm. because in some ways, like it's a very powerful force to just have like five guys in an apartment working 18 hours a day and just like going crazy trying to make this thing work. Um, but there are limits to that and you sort of, it's impossible to build a massive company at a very large scale with five guys in an apartment. So um, I think we've done a really, and this is most credit to Sahel on this, but like done a very good job of sort of maintaining a lot of the culture that we had early on and sort of scaling that in an authentic way to a team of 20 with, with still like making all the, like you need more process, you need sort of more ways for, for thinking about things, for thinking about goals, for thinking about, you know, OKRs for the quarter, for all that kind of stuff. And those making sure those things are empowering people to be more successful and not becoming just like process for the sake of process as you scale, I think is really, really important. And I think Sahel and, you know, the team has done a very good job of like embracing that and using them as things to sort of push us forward and not just things that like, you know, are things that we do because we have to. So I think we've done a really good job so far and hopefully, you know, we can continue that into the hundreds of employees and maintain a lot of the same culture that we have today. Hmm. Cool. So what's something that a lot of people don't know about you? Wow. I don't know if I've ever been asked this on a podcast before. It's a good question. Um, hmm. I see you figuring out how like personal you're going to get right here. No, I want to get personal. I want to think of something that's like really a really good answer. Okay. So this is relevant recently. Um, 
surprise a lot of people on the Gumroad team. But I'm pretty into sneakers, so I don't. I guess I don't come across as a guy who would be. Mm-hmm. But I just got a pair of retro Jordans that I was that were sort of limited edition that I was really excited about, and I brought them to the office. And I thought that sort of everyone knew this about me that I was into sneakers and excited about sneakers, and no one did. So I brought them to the office, and everyone was sort of just like, "What? Like you're gonna wear those? Like how could you can't pull those off? Like what are, <laughs> what are you doing?" So that's something that I think, I don't know, I guess I haven't talked about that much and people don't assume that about me, but I have a couple of friends and I who are all pretty into to sneakers and like that whole world yeah. uh, and getting more into it. So that's something that I think a lot of people don't know about me. Something a little more personal that I know a lot of people don't know, I think as a function of my age, but that I'm married, I got married in December. I don't know, for some reason, a lot of people think that's sort of crazy to get married at the age that I am, but. Which is what? How old are you? 23. Uh, I think in San Francisco, it's definitely weird to get married that young. But I think like on the East Coast, it's sort of more uh, you're in Boston, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So I think it's I think I don't know, at least where I like in Orlando, it's not that weird to get married at that age. But um, when people find that out or like see my ring, they're always like, what are you married? Like, you know, I had no idea. So you were focusing and building relationships uh, early on. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like if you you know find someone that you love and that you want to spend the rest of your life with, it's, you know, might as well start that at 23 and not 28. Absolutely. Sounds so. good. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming by and chatting. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Cool. If people want to get in touch with you, your email address is all, all over the internet, it seems like. Do you have a preferred means of contact? Twitter, email? Uh, yeah, shoot me an email. Um, letter, the letter R at gumroad.com. Just R at gumroad. I seriously answer every email. I try to be helpful however I can. So if there's anything I can do to help, whether it's feedback on a project or help with something you're working on or advice, whatever, um, always happy to chat and try to allocate several hours a week, usually on the weekends, to just take phone calls, coffee meetings, to try to help people. So yep. definitely reach out if there's anything I can do to help. But ideally offer you value first. Yes, definitely. Cool. Awesome. If possible. Yeah. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to thoughtbot.com slash giant robots slash 114. Thanks for listening. 